This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Am I allowed to be excited? Do I support a murderer? Forever, your eyes will hold the memory. Are you an As I Lay Dying fan and unsure how to feel? Call us today. Here at the Tim Lambesis Fan Support Line, we will make sure you feel okay about being a fan again. Here's a testimonial. I was like, whoa, man, I love Azalea Dying, you know what I'm saying? But, like, dude tried to kill his wife, and so I called the testimonial line, and then they were like, oh, yeah, but she didn't die. Whoa. We will make you say, whoa, too. Here's another testimonial. Yeah, you mean he found out Jesus is fake? And he took steroids and got titties? Oh, my God. How do I not have sympathy for Tim? I'm so glad I called this tip line, because titties and fake Jesus... Whoa! That's right. Whoa. Shadows aren't always security, and oceans aren't always between us. You're not a piece of shit just because you support one. The Tim Lambesis support line. Just because he tried to kill somebody doesn't mean that somebody was you, and that the riffs are less tasty. Whoa! Whoa. That's right. Whoa. And happy Father's Day. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, everyone. It is I, uh, your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by Brandon Gooch Hahn. You and all of your family members should be following me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. Jocelyn Sharp. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend, and Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, big interview. Really excited to promote uh, Keith Buckley, Every Time I Die. Uh, really, really excited to pr- promote his new book, Watch, which is coming out September 18th on Rare Bird Books. Guys, if you go to rarebirdbooks.com right now, you can pre-order a signed limited edition and it ships one month early, guys. So uh, super excited to talk. Uh, we talk about his, uh, his first book, Scale 2. If you guys haven't picked up that, definitely want to get that before you get this one in September. So, um, But as always, before we uh, get to the interview, before we get to the meat and potatoes. Just one second. Mm-hmm. Rare bird. Rare bird. Rare bird. Can you say it three times fast? Rare bird. Rare bird. Rare bird. Okay. <gasps> Did I say it wrong? Yeah. No. No. I was just happy for We're you. Rarebirdbooks.com. Rarebirdbooks. Rarebirdbooks. That's her. That's rare, rare bird books. Say that. He just subconsciously gave you the middle finger. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but when he was no. gesturing, his one hand had just his middle See, finger. It totally was. <laughs> okay. Rarebirdbooks.com. Say that though. Rare bird books. <laughs> yeah, see, that's hard. We're very proud of you. No, oh, thank you guys. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say for you. You need to spell it. I can spell I can, it. I know you can spell it. <laughs> Go there, guys. Pre-order watch right now. Pick up scale. Uh, don't miss out on his books, guys. Um, we'll be chatting to him in a minute. Metal sucks news. We always jump on. Uh, the main story today, as you can hear from our little bit there, is that uh, the Tim Lambesis uh, fan support line, as Ellie Dyne has released. Uh, about a 45 second clip of new music as uh, for any of you that don't know uh, it is their first music since 2013 I believe 2012 Tim Lambesis went to jail for attempting to kill his wife paying a hitman he is back out now um, this thing has begged many questions when we see the the audio uh, and uh, a lot of the fans of the band are, are wondering is it okay to you know support them again but let me ask you guys some specific questions here what do you think is the percentage that the entire band, Woven War currently, except for Phil, I guess, the entire band reunited with him for this project? Brandon, go. Well, going off that video, mm-hmm. 
the percentage that you think? Oh, man. 60. Are you saying like 60% that the, the majority that are you talking about like what percent like what percentage of the members or are you just talking about the likelihood? What yeah, what percentage of the members have returned to as they lay dying after obviously what happened with 10? I would say they're 65% more likely to do it. Okay, okay no. You think 60% of the members? I don't know what 65% more likely to do it means. Okay, 65 So there's there's four guys. You're okay. asking a very complicated question. I don't yeah. feel like I am. <laughs> yes, you, you are. are. Okay. No. How about this? How many members are in the band, Pete? 5. Okay, how many of those 5 are going to be in the band? Tim Lambesis for sure. So okay. yes. how many of the other four? Okay, the other four? I'll say half, 3 quarters. Half. Jesus. That's three. Yeah, three I know, but you four. guys could have done that in a percentage. No, but the way you did it. Yeah. So you're saying two out of four. 75%, Pete. 75% of the band. That's three out of four. Yeah. There you go. How dare you make us do math? I'm you're so a piece sorry. of shit. God, damn. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Confused the shit out of me, and then you're throwing math So you at think it? you think three out of four came back. Jocelyn, how many do you Half. think? You think yes. 50%. Yeah. So yeah. two of the guys did not come back. Now, because I know for sure one isn't. Yeah, break it down, beautiful mind. We, okay, we don't know anything for sure, but we all assume that Nick Hippa is not returning because of pretty much how the press was well. during the time away. What, what do you, okay, what's the, what do you, do you think Nick Hippa returned? But again, mm-hmm. you know, you, you pointed out that one of his signature things is, you know, he's always wearing these. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the, one of the guitar players, it, it was like the same guitar that Nick Hippa plays. It looked like it could have been him. But again, this is just fabric. This is just like nonsense. Because you can't the see half the sleeve tattoo. You, yeah. It look, it, I don't know if it is, but it looks like all the original guys are back to me. But that's obviously your mind playing tricks. Like when Jordan, you know, when the drummer hits, it looks like Jordan Mancino, you know. Yeah. Um, I really, for me, I think that he somehow got the whole band back together, including Nick Hippa. This is what I think. Now, I have no proof of that, um, but if that occurred, do you think that this would be more successful as a, a comeback? If he, if somehow Tim convinced the whole band to come back, well, try or it. do you think it would be better if Tim just started a, a solo project and they stayed with Wolf and War? Well, well, trying to murder your wife is extremely metal, you guys. It's <laughs> very commercial. So he's got a ton of people that are just like, oh, what's he going to do next? No, I, I think. Uh, but our, I mean, like when you say extremely metal, as a lady, I wouldn't say it's extremely metal. They're a metal band, but I'm you know kidding. what I'm saying. I, I, yeah, your joke didn't go over anybody's head. Uh, thank you. It just much. fell flat. It hit you right in the face. <laughs> Jocelyn laughed, <laughs> fuck face. Uh, you are misqualifying my laugh as laughing at the joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, what Boners you- <laughs> in the mosh pit. You Aww. can't just throw that out there every time you disagree with me. I think you can. <laughs> I think he can. He, he gave up on Papa Coach. I'm, I'm never going to live it down. So uh, so you do think... Oh, I never gave up on Papa Coach. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got us all the time with that soundboard. <laughs> now, so you do feel, Brandon, that if the band... He got the entire band to reunite, that it would be a more successful comeback, or do you think they would be more controversial? Well, this is a couple of things that have, have taken place with that band. They, uh, number one, obviously, the, uh, the murder attempt. <laughs> That's a big deal. That's all Tim, though. And you then, can't blame the other guys. And then, but they were... But then... They came out and they were like, okay, we're no longer a Christian band. Right. That was that was also a big thing for them. So it's like now all of a sudden you're gonna come back, are you gonna come back a Christian and band? And then Nick are pretty you- much torched I mean what he you know, yeah, the shit Nipa- he said about Tim, like well, here's no. the thing. The Christian thing might be a factor for, but I mean, look at Under, Under Oath just returned without that Christian label and it didn't seem to affect them. I mean, I so think, I don't I know think, if the Christian label affects bands like, 
like as they die Norma Jean under oath, a lot of those bands that had that label that kind of separated themselves. I, I don't know if it's affected them because their fans kind of grew with them. I don't think their fans came to them because they were Christian. I think that's the difference. They, they just, because a lot of people I knew, including myself that had albums, it would be like six months after I bought the album where someone would be like, you know, they're a Christian band, right? And I'd be like, fucking kidding me look man i think i think the christian label helped them out a ton i'll be know. honest with you i think that there was a movement with those three bands i mentioned that really like uh really like kind of there was a big christian yeah, metalcore movement yeah it I wasn't it jars of clay if there's you know if I mean? there's if that's the case i do agree with you then though mm-hmm. their fans did grow with them they don't give a fuck about that label anymore yeah. and if they're truly and if these christian fans are truly christian they'll forgive him mm, okay. so why not go that route that's 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 a fair that's a fair thing to say. But back to the question I was asking: we'll Go to the people that are taught forgiveness. <laughs> Do you think angle your way towards that? Forgiveness is a weird conversation we can have in a little bit. But uh, do you think that if the entire band did forgive them and it it was a comeback tour, that it would be more successful or less? I right. think it'll be successful because people will want to see. You just want to see. Look, they were it's sick. hard to imagine with how much they burned. The, like I mean, they were they were. I mean, Nick. Nick vilified him. Then Tim did what he did. Nick vilified him in the Nick Hippa way, which yes. is like a, a, a cool stoner, like, uh, you know, surfer kind of yeah. Keanu Reeves, Bill and Ted yeah. vilify. Yeah. So it's the, it like vilifies a strong word because right. he's just like, oh, not cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that's right? like, yeah, like, that's Tim his Lam- version of fuck that dude. You yeah, know what I know I mean? it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. He's like, Tim Lambesis, bro. It's all like so crates. Not chill. Yeah. Um, but my, my point is, is like, I, I would be interested to, you know, you're, you're always going to be interested. Is the band still good? Did the tension fuck up their their ability to make good music together? Like, there's all these these See, factors all, and variables. All those things, I think Tim can probably be really confident on. I mean, because Azalea Dine's a solid band. They never put out a bad record. Yeah. Well, there you go. And that's what um, I think. If and he has the original band back together, Woven War put out two really good records. You know, What was their following like, though? Yeah, not even close there to There you go. So, that, so if you're an Azalea Dying yeah. and you've already had a taste of the pie and you're like, look, I understand what success is in a, as a metal band, which, by the way, not easy to do. Can I say something controversial? Please say something controversial. <laughs> Are you gonna t- in all of the things that metal news has brought us over the past few months of things that band members could do that it's are terrible and unforgivable i think that trying to kill your wife is the least offensive of them okay whoa that's very controversial Ooh, <laughs> wow. really you really split I, the audience i'm just saying that as far as as far as what people do as what we've talked about they've done or may or may not have done that allegedly trying to kill your wife is well no it wasn't alleged he, he, he hired a cop to kill his wife trying to kill your wife mm-hmm. is the least controversial i think it's the easiest for people to stomach is what i mean like it's a lot harder to stomach uh, uh you know accused rapes mm-hmm. shit like that than it you is you know what's disgusting about this day and age somebody he could if he went out there and, and let's just say he posted a tweet like roseanne yeah they would they would have a harder time forgiving him for that stupid racist tweet than him trying to kill, kill his, his wife, wife. <laughs> swear to god okay well i do think there's a double am standard. i wrong there I, i'm not I'm not saying you're wrong because I'm super I, smart. I do I do disagree with you, Jaws. I think his actions are much worse than they're than terrible. People are people are letting him off the hook is 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 crazy now. However, but it's funny you brought up this Roseanne thing because we're out here in Las Vegas, as everybody knows. We bring it up all the time. No Effects recently played the Punk Rock Bowling Festival just last weekend here, and they they shit all over you know the shooting that we had October first. Yeah. Um, pretty much on stage. Yeah, pretty much. Fat Mike, frontman for No Effects, went on grabbed the microphone and he's like, uh, you know, you know, heard about that. Tra- 
tragedy this is, October This is 1st. what he said. I'll, I mean, I have it here, so yeah. I, can, I can just so we don't misquote him. But Fat Mike was like, we played a song about Muslims and we didn't get shot. All right. And then Eric Melvin, the guitar player, said, I guess you only get shot in Vegas if you are in a country band. And then Fat Mike re- responded with, you know, that sucked, but at least they were country fans and not punk rock fans. Yeah. That's what was said. And then, uh, you know, he, he responded with, did I offend somebody? I can't fucking believe it. You know, making, you know, making light of the joke. You know, saying it to the city. Yeah, but I mean, those it's not words, even clever. No. no, it's not funny. It's not clever. It's just some drunk guys. But those words, I think, will be harder for people to forgive in Much. times than what Tim Lambesis did. Now, what does that say? I, well, because people are... If you guys, do you guys disagree with because, me? No, because I think it's psychological. I think it's easier to forgive someone who doesn't put their hands on someone's throat and might hire someone. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a little bit of a distance in between the violence and the horridness, and there's this psychological thing where you can kind of compartmentalize that a lot easier than someone going out and saying, in the place where it happened, going, well, you know, they deserve to be shot, basically. But we can say an insensitive comment on the scale of actually paying someone to murder another human being, the scale shouldn't even be close. Yeah, it, it should be much higher. There should be a, a overwhelming <laughs> amount of like, look, dude, we should not support this guy versus like, all right, if these guys apologize, maybe we'll check it out. I'm not saying no it's effects. right. I'm not trying to like, I'm not happy with how no effect. I, I, like I said, I'm not trying to justify their statements in our city. Absolutely. Not okay. Deplorable. Yeah, I, I do oh, not stand work. by that at Thank all. Thank you. Um, but the point is, is that I do understand <laughs> that, you know, it's a punk rock band drunk on a stage. You can sell it to me in a few years. Well, I, I want, can shake I, it off. I want to be you know? clear that I'm not, I'm not justifying Tim Lambesis versus NoFX. I'm saying this is what I believe why it'll go the way it goes is because of the way masses digest things. I'm, I'm not saying it's right. It's not saying it's what I believe. I'm saying this is what I think is going to happen because of the way people digest it. But again, it's like, to me, it's like if you are, if you are labeled a racist, if you are labeled, you know, or, or, you know, homophobe, Islamophobe, whatever, people have a harder time looking at you and, and assuming you're human yeah. if you have these views. And, grant, and granted, a lot of these views are just speculation. Well, Tim, so they have a harder time looking at these views and, 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 and forgiving them. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, somebody who's actually been convicted of trying to kill someone. It's just Hey, lots of insane. celebrities actually killed their wives yeah. and still have careers. So, yeah. I mean, it will be- killing one, that's what I'm saying, in the public side, killing your wife. Yeah, is not as bad as <laughs> tweeting something nasty. Yes. It's unfucking real. Yeah. And, and, I mean, this is something we, we're discussing. We, I, I agree with you guys. I think that He's more likely better. to be forgiven yep. than, you know, these people whose careers I and think again, grow. And again, and I think... But this is, are, this is a, a cherry on a shit Sunday of things that NoFX has done over the years to make themselves look undesirable. Right. Like, you know, like them recording music in the yeah. first place. Oh, just <laughs> touring. <and laughs> it's just, just fucking oh charging God, people. Oh, God, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, I'm not a, uh, yeah, we're not, we're no not fans. fans. No. Yeah, it's no big deal. So, but, yeah, now, now, definitely not, but we weren't before, so it's not a big deal. Um, you know, so anyways, back to that. It will, do you guys, okay, last question before we move on to one more story, before we get to our wonderful interview with Keith Buckley of Every Time I Die, do you guys think this comeback with As I Lay Dying, either as a solo thing with Tim and new members or with original members coming back will be a success? Yes, yes or no? Yes. I think it'll be more successful than the other band that Woven War. Woven War. I think they'll yeah. be more successful than Woven War. I think As I Lay Dying has said, like you said, too many good albums. They have too many loyal fans. I think that the fans are going to care less about what the band members did and more about the fact that they're getting more As I Lay Dying. And on top of that, you're totally true. And on top of that, I mean, look, this is music. 
somebody wrote, you know, they've written plenty of songs that I'm sure that have touched everybody and touched a lot of people in certain places. And no matter what that person did in their personal life, this is, these are, these songs still help shape me as who I am. Yeah. And they yeah. grasp onto that. I mean, maybe they also want to kill their wife. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Well, <laughs> it's going to be interesting, guys. I'm sure we'll talk about it as soon as they put out the record, as soon as we find out the band members. We'll, I do we'll want to hear. I want to know show. if there's going to be a song about killing your wife in the next album, you know? Okay. Like track number four, step one, hire a cop. <laughs> wow, brilliant lyrics, good. Step two, go to jail. <laughs> step three, make your friends mad. <laughs> make your friends mad. Step four, trying to get them to forgive you so you can go back and making money again. Good night. <laughs> Capitalize. So let's go. Let's go from back to, to music fans, guys. The next story we want to talk about in Canada. Slayer played their final show with Anthrax, Testament, Behemoth. You know this wonderful tour, Lamb of God, of course. And uh, a fan got kicked out of the Slayer show. Now, um, the way this venue was set up is that there's like a pretty much like a lake. I'm going to say or an ocean behind there. And this fan, it it's looks, not an ocean. What? No, okay, it's a lake. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's Canada. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. First off, read the rest of the story, and then I just want to make sure that we point out how wrong you got that. <laughs> I'm completely wrong. It's not an ocean. I know. I know. No, I know. You don't. Oceans are. Around. Don't you? Know, yeah. Don't act. Don't act like you know what bodies of water are. So what happened, Pete? Tell us what happened. <laughs> so this guy uh, tried to swim back into the venue. It looks like he swam about a, a about the size of a football field back to the venue. Right. Uh, did not get in. Security caught him trying to sneak in through the water. Mm -hmm. But the fact that this guy had the courage to be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna swim all hundred. He could he could have drowned. Maybe he watched right. Forrest Gump the he's day before. He's definitely drunk. Well, there's no just, way he's sober. Just to let you know, though, the Pacific Ocean is 120 yards, so you're not that far off. Okay, it's stop from, it. From, from <laughs> <laughs> do you know it's heated? Too? Exactly. Um, from California to Japan, <laughs> is it heated? It's 120 yards. Is it heated? Is your comment about <laughs> killing wives not being that bad? It's not that bad. I mean, <laughs> I mean, stop look, it. come on, just, come on. I mean, bitches do be crazy. We've all been I like. Mean, can you shut oh, up, poor. God? Oh, damn. I'll put my oh. socks away. Anyways, back to the story. You watch Game um, of Thrones without me? <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be drunk. There's no way a sober person would go, I'm totally going to swim to the venue and sneak in. First off, I love the idea of him he's swimming across. He's wearing jeans and a long sleeve yeah, shirt. He's wearing jeans and a long sleeve shirt, and he swims this little lake all the way up to the venue like he's going to sneak in there like some sopping wet dude. Like, yeah. hey, what, hey, hey, dude, what, a guy can't be sopping wet walking into a venue. What the Shitter's fuck, Shitter's clogged. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, he just walks out like Ace Ventura. You do not want to go in there. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Now, mind you, this is a snowflake. This was either a. Br this is one of those things where you're like, this is either brilliant or so dumb. Oh, dude, first off, the line between brilliance and stupidity is so, so thin. incredibly thin. <laughs> it's like love and hate. Yes. It's real thin. Yes. <laughs> I have respect for him, though. I do. So, I mean, but we don't know what he did. I get wish, kicked out. I wish this. Podcast what if he was groping children? Oh, okay, well, why well, are you going to take it there? <laughs> wow, I went Jesus. extreme. That's yeah. what you do nowadays. <laughs> you, you just go you. extreme. All right, okay. I, you, know, you, don't, you don't build up. You go extreme. All right, he, hey, he buddy, had... get your thumb out of that kid. you got to go. <laughs> yeah. <Get> <laughs> you know, all those loose children at Slayer <laughs> just, concerts. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's just like a gymboree. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Between the ocean comment and that comment, I want to fire myself. Yeah, exactly. Right God damn it. I should lower your microphone. <laughs> uh, um, I'm imagining he um, was drunk because you would have to be drunk. To look at that water. But what do you think he did to get kicked out? 
just was probably maybe he barfed or you know yeah. you know how many venues if are these days. He barfed and then swam that much. That's that, impressive. You know, actually, <laughs> if he barfed and he jumped in the ocean to get the vomit off well, him, good job. Let him it's, back yeah, in. Exactly. Like, you know what? This guy went the extra mile. Bring well, him back. You know how in. venues are nowadays. If you even show signs of being a little too drunk, they ask you to leave. Yeah. If you puke, they ask you to leave. Yes. Like it's, you are right. You know, so maybe he lit up a joint. He, I mean, yeah, he so could have lit up a joint. Yeah. Oh, it's true. He could have yeah. smoked a cigarette. You know, yeah. people always sneak cigs in the mosh pit. Like it happens all the time. That's how you get burned. Yeah. And bowl burns. <laughs> Don't like it. <laughs> Be careful with your cigarettes in the pit. <laughs> That's funny because I've been burned in the pit by a cigarette. So yeah. yeah. It sucks so bad, Pe- dude. People like, love what to. What the fuck? Pe- I took one to the neck one time and I was like, I thought I got a spider bite. I'm like, that makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> Some, I, I thought something bit me. And what you do is you like did you, squeeze did it. Did you try water? to swim away? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were you like, I'm in the ocean. I'm in the ocean of people. <laughs> it was at the house of yeah. Thank God this is one of those concerts where there's all these children around yeah, exactly. so me to have to God, swim man. around. All these kids are smoking cigarettes. <laughs> you know what's crazy? And I swear to God, this was at a Sounds of the Underground show during As I Lay, or As I Lay Dying, during Every Time I Die, when I got burnt in the neck oh, during a no pit. Way. I'm not even kidding. That's awesome. Mm. It's, it's a true story. And then yeah. you immediately wanted to murder your wife after that yeah, for some reason no 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 just <laughs> every time i die oh, every time i die yeah, never mind the, keith buckley the guy i'm interviewing yeah. that's crazy yeah that, but that's when i, I took a, a, a cigarette to the neck keith, or a joint keith buckley's know. never murdered anyone or tried thanks he's, keith he's only been delicious <laughs> and talented his whole life <laughs> and, and the first part's really all that matters right the delicious delicious part. yeah yummy. exactly who cares about the murder yummy dudes Jocelyn loves yummy dudes okay Love. on that note <laughs> I'm sure he wants you to sell it just like that. Hey, check out the new. <laughs> yummy dudes. Yummy dudes. Take my money. <laughs> I mean, there's a boners in the mosh pit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Where the hell was boners I? Boners in the mosh pit. That's what I got right now. Maybe that's what the guy did to get kicked out. Maybe he had a boner in the mosh pit? <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. this is the story I want to paint. Yeah. I want to do a roll doll book yeah. with the boner in the I'm mosh over pit. Over here in guy. the mosh pit, I'm like, ah, that guy's hard dick just hit my funny bone. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Uh, excuse me, security. I, I tried to punch that dude in the stomach, and his dick keeps getting in the way. Could you do something about that? Could you at least tell him to tuck it up in between his uh, his belt? Thank you, uh, <laughs> Pete. How you doing? Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Before before we get into our interview with Keith Buckley. All right, guys. This July, progressive metal band Redemption will release their seventh full length. Long Night's Journey in Today via Metal Blade Records. With guest musicians Chris Polland and Simone Mularoni, this is the first album since the departure of vocalist Ray Adler and featuring the debut of Evergrey vocalist Tom England. Pre-order Long Night's Journey in Today now at metalblade.com slash redemption. Once again, guys, don't miss Redemption's Long Night's Journey in Today, metalblade.com slash redemption. And here we go, guys. It's me, Keith Buckley. Let's go. Everybody, what's going on? And it's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have author Keith Buckley. We are here to talk about your new novel, Watch, which is coming out September 18th. Yeah, for sure. Now, before we jump into Watch, because we got a couple months before uh, September. Yeah. Let's let's scale it back, if I may use a pun. Let's talk about your first novel, Scale, a little bit, um, which came out a couple years back, right? Was it 2015? 2015, yeah. 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 So the first thing that when I got my copy of Skill, the first thing I noticed is that it was had a similar feel and finish to the to the old Black Sparrow Press books, like the Charles Bukowski stuff. Yeah, yeah, that and, was intentional. Oh, that was intentional. That's what I was going to yeah. ask. Okay, like because yeah. uh, I um and so y- you have for me like growing up, um, writers like Selby, Buk- Burroughs, Bukowski, mm-hmm. and Rollins were like probably my most um, 
important writers, you know? Like, I would always, uh-huh. in my mind, look at someone like Bukowski, and he'd be the devil on my shoulder, and then read a book by yeah. Henry Rollins, and he'd be like the angel, right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for you, did you kind of have a yin and a yang with some authors like that? Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, just because I was kind of taking two different, um, I was I was studying two different fields of, of literature when I was growing up. I was really big into, um, like Shakespeare and, uh, John Donne and things like that. And, you know, things that were more sort of, I don't know, divine, uh, and, and uh, ethereal. Um, but then at the same time, I also started, like, I was getting into like Burroughs and Kerouac and stuff, which is very terrestrial and, uh. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I sort of had those two opposing things of, you know, one was kind of like, I, I felt that one sort of emphasized life after life and, uh, the beat artists were, were, were more about like during life. Uh, so I kind of had those, those two pulling on me and, um, you know, I think it's just kind of always, it's always influenced and, uh, informed the, the, the lyric, even the lyrics that I wrote, you know, just kind of wondering if, you know, there's a, there's a meaning to all this at all. But, um, you know, I think that just came from, having those two kinds of, of literature always always in the forefront of my brain. And now, when you had to find your own voice, like when you're writing the first novel, they, they always say to writers when they start, is that uh, write what you know. Um, yeah. And so one can almost take that scale was a bit semi-autobiographical? Yeah, for sure. For, for sure. sure. I mean, it was, you know, I, I, I figured I would just start at square one. You know, I, I knew that writing books was going to kind of be a, a it's always something I wanted to do. And I, it wasn't just like, Oh, I got this thing on my bucket list. I need to have a book published. Like I, I really want to write books, you know, for a living. So, um, I figured I'd just start with square one and start with everything I knew about myself. And then hopefully that would open up some, some revelations and I could explore further in, in, in later books. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, that it was definitely very semi-autobiographical. I'm not going to hide behind uh, you know the, the the different name or anything. I, I think that it's it's very obvious to anybody that knows me that there's it's pulled from a lot of life experiences. But there are also completely fictional characters in there. So definitely, man. And one thing I I really enjoyed because um right when you read a lot of writers, there's a lot of different approaches, and you kind of find like you just said which one works for you, but. In essence, like they all work as long as the storytelling process is good. Right. What I right. really liked about Scale is that I think I just got off a book by like Pat Conroy. Like it was it was called Beach Music. This one, and he's the guy if people don't know. He wrote like the Great Santini and Prince of Tides. So that's what he's famous mm-hmm. for. But like when he introduced a character, he's like Jessica walked into the room. There'd be like three pages of like pretty much her life story, her looks, yeah, her exposition. What you did with scale that I loved was that you didn't do that. We were always present with the character Ray. As a matter of fact, I don't think we even knew his name was Ray till like thirty pages in. If right, I yeah. But like yeah. his sister story, there would just be like a. I remember at when when Ray went to school at Virginia Tech, there was a quick thing that was mentioned about her uh, disability, and then later on yeah. it was brought up again. The way you um, unveil that is mm-hmm. that just because you prefer to read that way. Or do you prefer yes. the presence? Oh, you prefer to read that way, yeah? I do prefer to read that way. I, I mean, I, I, I know personally that if, if, it, if the scriptures get too long, I, I honestly just skip right over them. I mean, that's why reading American Psycho was like, a, I mean, a journey through hell for me because it was so descriptive. <laughs> and I was like just scanning for, for substance, you know, um, because I think that, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, that when people explain their characters, it's just a, a way to, to flex, you know, and I, I really wasn't, I, figured, I I knew that, that that with it being my first book, and I, I didn't want to do that too often. I know that I kind of did it elsewhere, and you know, certain certain use of the language was a bit um, 
ostentatious, but I, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's just really better to, to kind of let people get a, an understanding of who the characters are by what they do rather than explain who they are, you know? Um, and I just, you know, I found similar patterns in a lot of the characters. I, I you know, I think that even when I was trying to figure out who to base them on, um, in, from real life, I was finding that so many of my friends, you know, there were like four or five different personality types and they all, you know, if one fell into one of them, you, you can see that their behavior was interchangeable with, with another person who had that similar character type. So I do feel like the, the main characters, the Chats and the Rays and the, um, the Evans and, you know, those, those are all real kind of people in my life. But um, and I think that that because of that, they're real people in everyone else's life, too. So I don't think I needed to ex- explain that so much as just show it, you know, so that's what I tried to do. I think you did a fantastic job. And you know what else? Like when I when, the first thing I did when I finished reading it um, was that I wanted a version of the book from um, Frank, you know, yeah, from a character yeah. that we all know. And, and I know I don't want to get over people's head, but Frank, in a lot of ways, was the antagonist, you know, in the story. Right. So, um, but like his viewpoint and the way you described them in like the parts as the story was going on, I think we've all mm-hmm. met that person. That is yeah, yeah. overwhelming, but we're drawn to if if that's a yeah. fair assessment. And um, yeah, and that character is so interesting to me from their viewpoint because it would all be twisted, you know, where Ray right. would be a villain. So <laughs> yeah, you know what's kind of um, I, I was I. I felt very close to, to, to Frank, uh, uh, in a lot of ways. And I, I kind of realized after I had written the book and people were starting to read it, that I was more, I was associating more with Frank than I was at Ray at certain points when I was writing it. And it was very easy for me to write Frank's part because all I had to do was think of the shit that I would do and never tell anybody that I did sort of thing. You know what I mean? I just really had to like find that dark part. And I think that um, in Watch, I, I, I think that the main character is more of a Frank type of person. Um, so I kind of did explore that a little bit more. Um, just 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 shitty for no reason sort of thing. Uh, I, that, that's really like, I don't know, it perplexes me and it intrigues me. And I don't understand why people are like that. But I, and I think that kind of writing up characters like that helps me get a little better understanding. And it's because everyone is like that in a way. And you know what's crazy is that I'm one of those people that don't believe people can just be shitty for no reason, but they show yeah. it to us, right? I still don't believe it. Like I remember, like my dad told me a long time ago when I was a kid, and I, I kind of wronged somebody. He's like, sometimes in life you got to be the bad guy. You, you know, yeah. you're yeah. you're uh, you're Gary Oldman. You know what I'm saying? You're the bad guy. Right. So accept <laughs> yeah. it and move on. So, yeah. um, but to those people, I wonder if they look at me like that guy's shitty. <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is true. But another thing is, you know, I, I, and I try to keep this in mind is that you just you don't know everyone's story. You know, they they might not even real. You know, that they might not realize they're shitty, and, and you can try to try to get an answer out of them and, and glean and a lesson from them. And sometimes people are just it's it's just the the, the way that they think. You know, and it's the way that, and the, you know they think that it's right, which is crazy because when people do so much wrong because they think they're right. It means that they're they are interested in doing the right thing. They just don't know how to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think Frank, that you know, that in order to write Frank, I, I had to get in touch with that part of myself a lot, and it was very eye opening. So it changed that writing writing that book kind of changed the way that I interact with shitty people because it made me more sympathetic to them. I guess isn't that crazy? That's awesome, <laughs> yeah. man. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. I think that's that's a great assessment of that. And speaking of. Yeah. Um, just the way that it, it, it scale was written, 
and we're going to get to watch, I promise, bud. (laughs) (laughs) And the way that scale was written is that um, I feel that there, it was written in, in almost like you can take this, the format as a screenplay and it is a Mm -hmm. visual story I think which which helps because when you brought up like American Psycho like there's about three or four movies in my life that I I think are better than the actual novels which is so Uh rare right American Psycho is one of those I'm like dude yeah I I agree American Psycho what was the other one to be honest with you I'm a huge fan of Selby but what Aronofsky did with Requiem for a Dream I think that film version is better than the novel which oh yeah I I don't know if you read that or not but that I have not read I have not read it but it is one of my I mean the, the visuals of that movie are haunting so you know i do and i saw the movie first so maybe that was a factor you know and yeah that that, it was just so well done so um and then for me as well back to one of my favorite writers burroughs what cronenberg did with naked lunch that film Mm -hmm. yeah is amazing you know, on every right. level. And you can even say that's almost like a reinvention of the book. He doesn't even tell it the is. book, right? Right. <laughs> it, it, yeah. You don't, you don't need to know that that's a book to, to know that that film is just, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a masterpiece, but um, every word. So your book has the style that, um, if told in a movie form and my favorite modern day author is a guy named Willie Vlotten. Have you ever read any of his stuff? No, no. Okay. He was also in a band, which I thought was weird. Um, he was in a band, but he was in a, like an indie rock band and I don't want to talk shit about, I just said he was my favorite author, so I'm not talking shit, but it's yeah. not my thing. Like he was in a band uh-huh. called Richmond Fontaine for like 20 okay. years. And, okay. um, I need a little hardcore in my music, dude. I don't know what it is. It, yeah. it has to have a tinge. I'm sorry. Right. So, right. um, and he wrote a book called the motel life that they made a film version out of. And, okay. and then they're making another film version of his, another book called Lean on, Lean on Pete, which just came out. But his style is the same, is that you can read it and then you can relate to the characters and you can see like a script format, you know, as it's yeah. going. And yeah. I, think that's a, I think that's an art form from people that, um, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, that have grown up loving film so much that when, Absolutely. They, when they tell the story, they see the movie. Absolutely. You agree Absolutely. with that? That's- okay. Yeah, I mean, at least for me, I mean, totally. It's just I, you know, I, I like you said, I, I, I grew up loving film, and had I not gotten into music, I probably would have, you know, pursued something in film. I took a ton of film classes in high school, in college, and you know, whatever was available in high school. But um, that's kind of just something that's been, I don't know, it's been a subtext for for my writing style. Is like, how does this look like? And it, whether you know, obviously, nothing gets really made visually of of what I write, but. Um, I just, I try to imagine what it looks like and, um, I just describe that picture, you know, so that's, that's the, the best way to even approach lyric writing for me is just to get an image and then write about that image. So, um, but I, that definitely is a huge part of it because even when I was younger, like when, I remember one of the first like, um, cinema classes I took, it was about films based on books and the, you know, they brought up how like Jaws, when Peter Benchley wrote Jaws, he wrote it as a screenplay like the the chapters end where the cameras breaks are in the movie you know what i mean he he had all this plan and i just thought that was fascinating so that's that's always kind of been like a i don't know a big inspiration to me to to try to to try to write as though uh envisioning it but yeah you're correct so jaws jaws was the first movie that, that that got me to realize that that was actually a thing so i think it's kind of been secretly informing me too did you read the peter benchley novel 
by any chance? Yeah. Yeah. I read, yeah. It, I read it so long ago, man, but a part yeah. of like my memory is like, hey, the movie's better than that one too, but I, I can't, I can't recall. I got to revisit it. I was too young. Yeah, but it, it is better. It is better, but it's supposed to be like the book isn't supposed to be a, a see, that's, a, I, you know, this could be wrong. This is what I remember gleaning from the classes that the, the book wasn't meant to be a piece of historic literature. It was meant to get made into a movie. Like that's all he wanted. He wanted he wanted to write something that got um optioned and made into a movie and he did and you know i i can't even speak for the writing style i don't i mean i read the book i don't remember anything that anything about the the writing style but i remember the images it created because then i saw those images and i just think that's a really i feel like writing a book might you know kind of is step one and step two is then seeing it you know yeah so it's um, not to steal a question from someone, but going back to the Willie Blotton, I actually just saw him because he just put out a book and there was a, he did a reading out here. And I'm in Las Vegas, by the way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So there was like a... Congratulations on your hockey team. Oh my God. Do you want to talk? <laughs> Can we talk about that a little bit later? <laughs> I don't know much. I, I, oh, mean, I, I know it's incredible, but I, I haven't really been following it other than I saw that there. We're in the Stanley on, Cup. So. We're in the Stanley Cup yeah. right now. Knock on Congrats. wood. I don't know when this is going to air. I think it's going to air two weeks from now, yeah. but... Yeah. maybe by then yeah. we'll win the stanley cup <laughs> right, maybe so. we'll be stanley cup champions by that inaugural year Oof. um yeah <laughs> dude crazy so uh cra- yeah you got me all excited dude so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we don't get sports out dude i'm a boxing guy and that's uh that's another yeah. thing about the vlatten he's from reno so when he writes okay. like i see the casino life like you being a kid of wandering out of casino and that's what i did and it's just like i yeah. really relate to him but there was like five people at this place called the writer's block out here in downtown vegas mm-hmm. And um, one of the questions they ask, because his, they've done versions of his movies, or they've done movie versions, is like uh-huh. the same thing was like, is it a cinematic thing? And he, he brought up something in the, fa- in the vein of uh, writing a screenplay version uh-huh. and then writing the novel. And how much it changes from those two, like that, that kind of uh, yeah. attempt. So would you yeah. ever think of that, like writing the dialogue and all that stuff and then not kind of novelizing I, your own script i don't know i i mean that's very interesting i i've, I've written screenplays before i nothing's gotten made well yet but i, I you know I've, I've i have experience in writing screenplays and i it's just such a different art form it really is and I, I don't think that it it really allows for it because you have to you have to really distill it down to make a screenplay mm-hmm. um you know you, you know even just with the with the aesthetics of the text in the screenplay, you know, everything's straight down the middle, you know, there's really no peripheral language. So, you, you know, it, it kind of looks the way it reads is that it's just as direct as possible. Um, and I don't, I don't really, I'm not good at that sort of writing style. My writing is tends to get meandering a little bit. Um, but um, just to kind of hearken to watch it, I mean, I think that in that time, since scale came out and, and since watch all have come out, I have, you know, written probably 10 different screenplays and gotten, you know, again, just as kind of practice and gotten familiar with the style. So I do think that watch is a very much more diluted cut down story. Um, and I, I just think it's two different things, two completely different things. So I don't ever, I don't ever believe I would be able to go from screenplay to, to book. To, to book. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. Not I, I could go the other way, but absolutely not. It's not uh, not reversible. I, I like that. No, I, I do like that. So, and that's what I, I got my degree actually in film at uh, UNLV. Oh, nice. And so, uh, 
Um, that's what like screenplays is just something I've always, that's what I, that's the only reason I went to class or went to, uh-huh. to school. And that's something that like, for me, I just challenge myself by like throwing some crazy idea out. I don't want to write. And then I write it like, Hey, write a Christmas yeah. movie. Okay. Yeah. Let's see yeah. what I do, you know? That's and awesome. so, um, but yeah, it's like, it's always been a hobby of mine, but not a, I don't have a, a passion for the arts, you know, it's, it's, right. a, it's a strange thing, man. I love, I love talking to myself and I love telling stories. And that's yeah, where it, I become peaceful, you know? Yeah, I've, I found that, yeah, like, just, I'm, I'm writing a short um, film right now that hopefully will get, um, maybe, it might actually serve as a pilot episode for something bigger, but it's very, it's, I don't like, I don't like it. It's, like, really <laughs> difficult, and it's not relaxing, and it's, 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 I feel like you're constantly censoring yourself to make sure that every word is perfectly placed, and, you know, but it's, it's very similar to me to writing lyrics, because everything has to fit everything has to fit, you know? So, um, it's not my favorite, most uh, expressive uh, way of, of writing, but you know, it's necessary. It tells a, it tells a good story. So and I'm such a dialogue driven person in my mind, but I also yeah. need to, and it's weird. I can't explain it to people, but I need the TV on. I need both TVs on. I need a record yeah. playing. I need to mm-hmm. walk in circles. I need to yeah. virtually not yeah. sit down. And then, you know what I'm saying? I need complete chaos oh, totally. in totally. order to yeah. create. And it's, uh, yeah, I feel yeah. like that might be our generation a little different where I, I yeah. get jealous when I see the typewriter people. I'm like, man, I couldn't even do it on a typewriter. You know? <laughs> yeah, I have not even tried that. I don't, I, I, that would just, I feel like there's, there's convenience for a reason. I'm, I'm just, this, I'm a strictly like computer or a notes on the iPhone kind of guy, whatever I have an idea. But yeah, it's, uh, it usually, it, it, it's not, sitting around and thinking is not the best, uh, best way for me to get started on anything. I got to do vinyl though. I got to flip it. I have to have really? something to do. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I'll, I'll put That's on a cool. vinyl right. and then I'll just yeah. keep flipping because I'm like, Oh, time yeah. to flip. And then I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll walk back and forth. It's really that distraction. And then the comeback to read what I wrote to yeah. make it work. It's, it's, it's a, it's very hard to explain, but it's peaceful. Yeah. As crazy as it no. sounds. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. Yeah. I totally understand. I, I have to, I do have to sort of, um, regiment myself a little more lately because i have been in the, in the editing process and i can't let anything slip by and i know that if i have too much distraction i'll i'll miss something significant you know even the, the uh, it's just a shitty example but like the other day i was editing the we're still editing watch so right i was going through an edit and i just it was just one it was one word one single word that i realized should have been the opposite and it changed so much of the story for me that it like it was I, I couldn't believe it and i was so happy that i found it because i think about like the original text and if that had gone by and i'd have realized it later that i i missed that one word in editing that i would have been fucking i would have been making up excuses as to why i meant that the whole time that i was talking about i would ever talk about the book so i really need to like the editing process is totally different than the writing process for me but like i said it's info I would, I would, no, that's not shameful. <laughs> that's, that's actually great information. <laughs> you, you just brought me back to your guys' DVD, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, the, uh, the, uh, that's a great, that's a great thought that process. But let me, let me ask this, cause from both angles, when you have a record complete and you deliver it, mm. what's the process of giving a, a completed record to a record label and getting notes and then a book? I, there's, I, I don't, I don't think we've ever gotten notes from a record label. To be honest, oh, okay. I think we're we're very lucky for that. I mean, Epitaph just kind of trusts what we do. I mean, they'll they'll give us advice as to like what song we should release first, but 
they've never, ever, ever been ones to be like, okay, you got to go back and you got to make a, a hit or you, we need a hook or anything like that. And that's just, we're lucky in that sense because I know that, you know, there are a lot of pressures from on other bands from the outside. But if anything, it's just, it's notes from the producer of, of like, okay, well, maybe this part should go here, this part should go here. But to tell you the truth, um, uh, our last record with Will Putney, he was very, uh, he was actually probably the most involved in my lyrics that I've ever had a producer. And I loved it. I, because I really I like being edited and I like being told what I'm doing wrong because it's the only way I learn. So he was not afraid to do that. I think for for so many other producers, they just kind of, you know, we you know we've been a band for 20 years. Most of them just figure that I know what I'm doing, and I I don't. I will I will never know what I'm doing. So as I I want someone to tell me I've done something wrong. And he was very specific about certain using certain words and not using certain words and how they they sound when they're yelled and it was a really interesting experience in like linguistics but um it was the first of its kind for me for for, for the music side of it it's funny you brought yeah. that up dude uh because i grilled will putney uh, when we, i did an interview with him when the fit for an autopsy record came out and i'm gonna yeah. go back to the question i'm sorry but i was like dude my favorite song of last year is map change tell me the entire story yeah. and he was like it's called chess pat and all this stuff yeah. and i was like <laughs> Map change is a better name. <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, that was just the working title. Um, but yeah, that and that was yeah. that specific song is one that when I wrote, I was like, I, I see this so clearly. It was so easy for me to write because it was like I was just watching a movie and then just describing the movie. And then when the video got made for it, it it was so fucking perfect. It was oh, like ear, it was like eerie that everything that he got on film was the stuff I was picturing, and without even me telling him. That was that was very that felt like real like kismet sort of thing of like all right this is exactly what it's supposed to be. That song's magical, bro. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, like, thanks. Like, thanks. Uh, and um, as as a fan, like I remember when when that record ended with that song. Like, uh-huh. it was one of those moments where I'm like, I hope they play it live every time. Yeah. Hope there's a video, and the video came out late. It was like a year later, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Came nailed it, dude, and uh-huh. nailed it. Yeah. And I, I actually the first time I saw the video. Um, because I'm not on social media. I'm one of those dudes that just kind of stay off all that stuff. And the first time I yeah, saw the video, sure. it was like recommended somehow. And then I was like, oh, shit, there's a video. And it was like yeah. right after the shootings that happened out here. It was like the next yeah. day, bro. And I was Ugh. like, and the song just took a different, like, it was like almost mm-hmm. like a comfort type thing. You know? Right. That's so, good. That's good. So the question that I, I did leave off um, that we kind of segued away from was uh, the difference between when you dropped the the book yeah. and the published. Yeah. The, the book was... Um, uh, to be honest too, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is a, a good thing or a bad thing, but I didn't do too much editing with scale because I was, I had, it had taken me like four years to write. So I was constantly self editing the entire time. Um, so that when I handed in the manuscript to rare bird and I got the notes back, it was just kind of stuff that was like, Oh, okay. Maybe a, a grammar usage was wrong here. And maybe, you know, this is a little redundant here, but it wasn't too much, um, but with Watch, uh, they they got a new editor, um, and he he went through it, man. He was like, it was almost like producing a record where he's like, hey, this part should like be cut back in half, and then it should be moved into here. And I was like, holy shit, this is great! Like, I because I, I that was the language I spoke. Like, I, I knew how to, I knew what he was talking about when he said to do this stuff. So, um, yeah, it was it was very similar to a record. I think that's such a lucky thing to have, man. Because like, if you if you don't have someone to like objectively look at your stuff, right? You never, told, you never, you, it never transcends. You, yeah, you're yeah. just sniffing your own farts for the rest of your life. Yeah, like, you just, I mean, it's just what, what is, where is their growth if no one's telling you that you're doing something 
wrong. I mean, you're never, you know, the best, the, the, you know, you, you only learn from being wrong. You never learn from being right. So being right is, is not really a good thing. Completely agree. No, I completely agree. Yeah, I love it. Uh, know it alls and never get it right, man. No, no, absolutely yeah. not. So moving on, like we just talked about, guys. So everybody, make sure you go out there, pick up your copy of Scale. You got about three months to read it. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, it's well worth it. It's, it's a great <laughs> book. I love it. I gave it to my lady. I said, you got to read this book. Cool. And, and this is what the first thing out of her mouth. And yeah, don't take offense to this, but she goes, no. she goes, um, he doesn't use commas. That's very masculine. I like that. I'm like, there are. I didn't even notice no commas. That I'm like, would you, I, are there not? I don't, dude, there's I don't commas in the book, right? But see, that's the. But that's like that's the in me being informed by the beat culture of just just spot just prose, just run ons, and you know because that was so so important to me. So I guess that's a that's a relic of that time. I like that. I didn't notice that. No, I, I didn't either at all. But you know what? I read Selby. You know, he doesn't use commas. Yeah. You know, so it's like yeah. I, I just kind of got the meeting. And if I had to reread the sentence, I just went back and did. But right. for the most part, I just thought like, this is very masculine. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. But that's but... kind of a comp. Like, does that mean women use commas and men don't? Let's not break that I down. I think it just means that men just like hard charge. And, you know, it's just like, here's all this information. Don't break it up. But. Ever okay. since, not, not delicate. exactly. Don't break it up. Ever since she said that, <laughs> yeah. I've never used a comma in a text. Just so you know, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> straight run-on sentences all the way through. Yes, I'll get yeah. dinner and I will go to the store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now to the new book, Watch, coming out September 18th. Guys, make sure you pre-order it. The synopsis. Now I haven't read the book, obviously, but um, mm-hmm. let's talk about the synopsis. So it happens in 1987, and yeah. kind of tell us a little bit about um, just like the how you would. I don't want to say pitch it, but how you would kind of just describe it. Um, it just it takes place over one day. Um, it's it's just a guy who's been uh, a guy who's kind of forced to reconcile all the things that he's he's been running away from in his life, and he has to come to terms with them. And since he won't, because he's a coward and an asshole, he finds himself in this in this snowstorm where he actually thinks he sees the things from his past. So. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of science fiction ish, but I was really just more interested in writing a, a cool story this time. I didn't need it to be like this huge, um, you know, what does it all mean sort of thing. Um, although that does kind of get addressed. You can't help it when you're writing about it, someone facing demons. But um, I just wanted it to be a, a good story, you know. So um, set in 1987, so that there's no internet <laughs> because mm-hmm. I think I think things are creepier when uh, help is not easily accessed. So took took away all chance at helping anybody um and yeah i don't know just just the guy's walk from uh from his house to a bar he sort of relives the last 25 years of his life all right so in and in that description um the form that was this spoken and i don't know if, if it's in the novel was that ghosts kind of come back into yeah. his life and yeah and this is a two-part question a do you believe in ghosts and b do you feel the concept comes from the past haunting us um, I do believe in ghosts. Um, I think that they're just, I think that it's just a different sort of energy. Um, but I, I think that all, uh, and you know, everything is, is energy. So it's just a different vibration of energy. Um, I think that it's pretty, I don't know. I, I, I almost see it as like, it's just sort of obvious that it's, it's possible, but, um, it's so, you know, there's, 
I don't know. I I I I, I hesitate to talk about that because it just makes me sound like a crazy person. But um, mm. yeah, I do believe in ghosts, and I mean they don't have to be like Casper the Friendly Ghosts. I mean they're just reminders of your life that that you know you feel very strongly, and and that's if they're present to you, then that's real. You know, I mean if 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 you if you think of something and it your body responds and your heartbeat races and and your blood pressure goes up and you sweat. I mean. How is that not a real happening? Even though it's not, a, you know, it's, it's only a memory. Your body's still responding to it as if it were real. So I think it's it's a very real possibility to be haunted by these these ghosts of your past all the time. You know, just nobody really lets themselves. For obvious reasons, it's a, it's a very scary thing. But um, this guy kind of didn't have a choice, so... Awesome. No, but I, everything you just said, I know it's, it's scary to, there's, there's certain things you just don't talk out loud, but I believe everything that keeps us in line as people makes us good people or bad people, all that stuff is our belief system. And I think mm-hmm. our belief system to someone else is complete fiction, but fact. To us, oh yeah. Of know? course. Of course. Yeah. And, and, and so, I mean, I love, I love talking about, you, you know, no, I believe this. Well, that makes no sense. Well, Let's right. talk about you. You'll 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 believe something that makes no sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't think I don't think there is an objective truth really anywhere. Um, but yeah, so it's just kind of the you know, and and that's a, that's what this character John sort of has to to deal with is that the, all these things he thought were true, when he finally, uh, you know, comes across them and realizes that you know his memory is failing. It's and then that's the thing. I mean, it, you. You know, I think it goes for everyone. You know, all these things that, that you're comprised of, all these memories you have, they're not even they're not even trustworthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's you know, it's a simple brain fart. You know, could could eliminate someone from your life completely for a moment, and you know, that's it's a terrible thing. But I mean, we are what we think we know. So um, everything that he thinks he knows is wrong, um, and he has to deal with that. Yes, conviction is a lie for a lot of people. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I agree yeah. with that, totally. man. And it's but that's to write something like that. You're you're taking yourself to a dark place. It did mention that there is a, a suicide of a character named Zola, mm-hmm. and I hope I'm not mm-hmm. giving anything away. And then there's yeah. a, a death of a child as well that's in, involved uh-huh. in the character. Yeah. So to put yourself in in, in a lot of ways that it's it, you have to as a writer try to empathize, but are going to be forced to kind of sympathize unless you know these yeah. things personally, right? Yeah, well, I that was kind of the thing is that I I did kind of know them. I mean, when when I was experiencing, you know, when when my wife almost died giving birth to my child, mm-hmm. it was you know I I was living through that and I was dealing with these things and having to come to terms with okay, this might be a reality. Like this might I might lose them both. What's going to happen next? You know, and I it sucks and I hate my brain for it, but you have to sort of deal with that. The fact that those are the thoughts you have, so. Writing that stuff actually wasn't the hard part for me because I had already gone through it. And, you know, I think a lot of the, the lyrics on the teens are obviously st- some different aspects of, of those few days. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that the hardest part was just really telling a good story and trying to weave it all into something that was more linear because obviously scale is not very linear. So um, I didn't have that tool of being able to, to jump back and forth between chapters. I really had to make things relevant in the moment seem like just not a random coincidence they really needed to to be inspired by something that happened in the story so it was kind of filling in all those blanks it was actually the hard part the build-up for like when you do the chapter thing the build-up to the conclusion or to the end when you're going linear what's Mm -hmm. the difficulties of doing that of not just being like i know where i'm going 
I need a minute yeah. there. You know. So that, yeah, it was really. I mean, it's it's it sounds strange, but this one was, was. I jumped around writing this one more than I did a scale because scale obviously jumps around so much more. But th- I mean, there there were times when I. It, it, it sounds crazy, but this is how I. Th- these are like the, the sort of things you you pick up on when when you when you're writing something that you you tend to trust. Some ca- a character popped up in my head, and I didn't know what it was, and I just sort of wrote about it off to the side. Um, and just kept it there. And I had no idea what it was. I had no idea where she was coming from, where she was going, what she meant. But this person, I just, I, I, I had a, a idea of this person. And it wasn't until, you know, many, many months down the road that I realized that she, this, this whole thing I had written is, it would be perfect to advance the story if it was put into a place before what I had written since I thought of it. So it's, it was, all these ideas were happening to me out of time, which was kind of cool. To, because I'm writing about a guy that's kind of going back through his life, and uh, that's kind of the way that it was written. So nice. it felt appropriate. Nice, yeah. nice. Now let me ask you this, because from from my experience, I always had a an ending to whatever mm-hmm. I was going to start to write before I wrote it, and then that ending completely changed every single time, and I completely yeah, totally. forgot it. Is the same same way with you? Absolutely. I mean, I thought I knew where I was going to end, and I even had written the last paragraph, you know, maybe before I had completed chapter two. Um, but then the, the story takes on a life of its own and it goes where it wants to go and, mm-hmm. and it takes you with it. You know, you're not, you're not piloting a ship by any means. You're, you're a passenger. So by the time I got to the end, it was nowhere near where I thought I would have ended it before, but that's, that's the fun of writing. That is the fun. And when the characters are real, real, mm-hmm. you know, Trump's yeah. wherever, yeah, yeah, whatever fiction you had. I, that's a, that's awesome, man. So yeah. And it's, it's, it's cool because like, I mean, you know, just for anybody that writes it, that's listening to this. I mean, it doesn't, these, these characters are, are, you know, they become so real that, and if you can't imagine what they're going to do next, then you haven't developed them fully enough. I mean, it's almost like everything they do should be obvious because that's just who they are. And if, you know, when I when I've when I've been having trouble like writing a character, like figuring out what this character would do, I just got I needed to go back to the drawing board and rethink the character completely because it just doesn't. I can't you can't make someone do something that their character wouldn't normally do. As a reader, I know that that's bullshit. You know, I, I that pulls me so far out of the story when I when I a character does something that but if they were a real person they wouldn't do. I I almost like stop reading. I'm just like fuck this. It's not. This is not anything like I thought it was going to be. It's not. It's not anything believable. Um, so there's nothing to relate to. So that's really important to me to make sure that every character was living honestly in, in the story. Dude, excellent, excellent, man. So, um, and then just a few more questions, dude. Now, oh. the character in Watch, he does get blinded by a snowstorm. Yeah. Um, what do you have more of a fear of, getting blinded or deafness? Um. I, I think blindness for sure. And that's why this, this seemed obvious to me to write because it is one of my greatest fears. Um, just the unknown. It's just not, not knowing, not seeing, you know, anything clearly is so terrifying for me. And I didn't realize that until I went through the experience um, with my wife and, and daughter in the hospital was that, that, that 62 days of just sheer uncertainty of having no idea what was going to happen any minute of any day was so terrifying to me that I was like, this, this is like a horror, this is a horror story. I'm living in a horror story. So when I, when everything, you know, kind of the, the storm settled and I realized that I kind of wanted to do something horrific, 
the first thing was uncertainty. Like that has to be the overarching thing because that to me is the scariest thing that there is. So um, I think that, I think that blindness is more leading to uncertainty than, than deafness is. So I would absolutely, absolutely hate to lose my sight. No, I, I see the anxiety of, I see the anxiety of both. There was a film, yeah. not, not to change. Did you ever see a film? It was, it, I don't think it was that popular, but I loved it. It was called A Perfect Sense with uh, Ewan McGregor and Ava Green. No, I don't think I saw that. Okay, it was everybody's senses were going to go away slowly and the world was falling apart. So it uh-huh. was like a disease that took away the people's senses. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the last one was, you know, blind. <laughs> so yeah. It's yeah. like it took away taste and all that stuff. But anyways, it's kind of a segue, but a, fa- a fantastic fantastic film if people haven't seen it so um check it out awesome dude with that man i want to tell everybody one more time guys watch is coming out september 18th 2018 Mm -hmm. make sure you pre-order it right now it is available everybody go to rare bird books uh check out um what they have going on make sure you have time to pick up scale right now it is so worth the read especially if you're a huge fan um quick question man so before we segue over to um the music thing any uh any talk of a new album with uh every time i die right now we started it we started just kind of tossing around some ideas but i don't know i, I we still feel like low teens is is alive and kicking mm-hmm. like i don't you know I, I just feel like there's so much life left to that thing um i think we all do so we're not gonna put it on the shelf anytime soon um we're gonna we're gonna write some stuff hope to have some new uh some new songs um you know for our next headliner after the summer and um but as far as the record goes we're just gonna kind of take it easy and, and, and let, let low teens take its course and then we'll, we'll get together and do something else. Cool, man. And everybody make sure you do pick up a copy of low teens. It was my favorite record of 2016. So thanks, man. No, dude. It, like I said, you guys, you guys, I'm a huge fan, you know, for sure. Thanks. Any, any, uh, any talk of doing a book tour for watch coming up? Um, there's going to be a few events that I'm, I'm doing. Um, just some like, uh, book conventions. I'm going to one and, and I'll be at, I wish I had the name off uh, at hand, but it's in, I'm going to New York City on the on June 1st for a book convention. Just to, and and this is a whole new world for me, so I have no idea what anything is going to be like um, on this side of the spectrum. But um, I'm gonna yeah, I am gonna be doing more more book events. I did I did a few for scale and they went over really well. Um, just like talks, you know, where I they, they uh, I did one in London um, where they had a journalist kind of interview me about it. You know, people were just kind of hanging out and drinking beer and watching. And it was really, really, really cool. And it felt very organic. Um, but I don't know if I'll be so lucky as to get all of them in, in beer halls and, and bars. So <laughs> I might actually have to do normal ones in bookstores. We'll see. Dude, well, I, I hope it does go down, man. And Because uh, those events are fun. I think if people don't yeah. go to like, like like book readings and stuff like that, it's just cool to interact. It's usually like an hour. It's usually not that bad. Totally, yeah. So yeah, they're, great. they're great things. So with that, Keith, man, I'm, I want to thank you so much, man, for letting us talk to you and everybody again. Make sure you guys of pick course, up those man. books, dude. And uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome. And hopefully on the next album cycle for Every Time I Die, you remember the Metal Sucks podcast because I got a ton of Every Time I Die questions too. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for sure. All right, man. Thanks so much, dude. Have a good one, man. Thank you, dude. You too.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting Supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PC Jabberjaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go www.rockabilia.com. All right, guys, and we are back. Uh, songs you heard, first one, just as real but not as brightly lit by Every Time I Die. In the second song, one of my favorite songs I think ever written, Map Change. Both of those are off of low teens. Guys, if you have not picked up that record, go get it. This thing is, uh, it, it's one of those that I can be on an island with and be fine the rest of my life. So make sure you pick up low teens. It's a great achievement from all those guys. I'm so proud of them. And guys, once again, make sure you pre-order, watch Rare Bird Books, Com. Rare Bird Books. I love it. I love Swim across it. the ocean and pre-order your book today. Wow, really? <laughs> Try to do a tie-in. I failed miserably. It. I forced that one in hard. Yeah. That was bad. So, But uh, I want to thank Keith so much, man. Like I said, uh, huge fan. Uh, big interview for me. I am really excited, guys. And I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews we keep seeing on iTunes, on the podcast. It's so simple if you have an Apple iPhone. You go to the podcast app. Look up Metal Sucks. Click the five stars. That's all it takes, guys. And we really appreciate that you guys take the extra time to do that. Uh, and until next week, my friends, Metal Sucks Podcast over and out. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.